you, Pastor Jeff. Appreciate that so much. And um, hey, it's really good to be with you, you here today on this Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully, also you had a great Thanksgiving time with family and friends. Um, I want to add one thing to what uh, Pastor Jeff just said about the women's coffee. I know the ladies are going to be encouraged to bring in something uh, that will um, help meet the needs of women in need in our communities. And um, I don't think we have a list out in the lobby, uh, but it is on the Facebook page for Women's Men- Chapel Women's Ministry, so check that out. Each campus will be asked to bring in different things. And what a great opportunity for the ladies and uh, invite some other ladies who may not be a part of this church, all right? Well, we are, uh, today, we have come to the end of Wisdom Literature. It should be up there. There we go, right there. Wisdom Literature, we started a long time ago. Uh, you know, in, in the Bible, the Wisdom Literature, is, it starts with the book of Job, and then goes to Psalms, and then to Proverbs, and then to Ecclesiastes, and then to the Song of Songs. And what we've done is uh, do like a thematic um, study through the book of Proverbs, and then last week we looked at the book of Ecclesiastes all in one weekend, and today it's the book of Job all in one weekend. Now, I'll just say, let me just click here. I'm trying to click, but it doesn't go. There we go. Uh, let me just say this. I'll say it only once. As an Ohio State Buckeye, I feel somewhat qualified to talk about the book of Job. That's all I'm going to say. I know my Michigan friends are in the room. Congratulations. Uh, I, I have found over the years that the, the, the best way for me to teach the book of Job is for us to pretend. And what I'd like us to do is to imagine ourselves stepping into a theater. And in this theater, we are going to see a play, a drama about the life of Job. And... Um, In this theater, we are seated together, all of us in the front row, the front balcony. If you're watching online, you have a special loge you get to sit in. But we are together in the front row of the balcony, and we're about to watch this play, this drama on the life of Job unfold before us. Now, this is important to understand. Behind this massive curtain is Job and the rest of the cast of characters. In front of the curtain is this screen that comes down and goes back up. And what you and I are going to be able to see and hear on this screen, those behind the curtain, Job and the others, cannot see and hear. All right? Now, the name of the drama we're going to watch is Job, A Journey Toward Wisdom. And we'll end up there at the very end of of the play, of the play. Now, the house lights come down. And a narrator walks out. And the narrator tells us what we need to know about the life of Job. All right? And this is what he says. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz, not the land of Oz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He has seven sons and three daughters. He owns 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children 
He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Now, there's some questions we cannot answer, like where is the land of us and who wrote the book of Job and some other questions we cannot answer, but we can answer this question, what was Job like? We just read this, that Job was blameless, a man of complete integrity, feared God, stayed away from evil. If we were to look at the the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel writes that they're the three most righteous men who ever lived were Noah, Daniel, and Job. We also read that that Job had seven sons and three daughters. Seven plus three equals ten, each numerical symbols of completeness. Who Job was on the outside, his outward appearance matched who he was on the inside. And we also read that just in case Job's sons and daughters would sin and curse God, that is, turn away from God, Job would intercede for them. And now we have bumped into the major theme of the book of Job, because ironically, the question will not be, will Job's sons and daughters turn away from God? But will Job? What will Job do? What will Job do with God? The narrator is finished. As he walks off stage, he pushes a button. And this large screen comes down. And remember, we're going to be able to see and hear on this screen what those behind the curtain cannot see and hear. And this is what happens on the screen. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, this troublemaker named Satan arrives in God's presence. And this Satan has a twisted bent against God and against people. And what was Satan's contention? God, look at what you have done for Job. Look at all that he has. Look how wealthy he is. But you allow me to take all of that away from him. And you watch his faith in you fall like a deck of cards He will turn away from you. Someone has written that that, that God has Satan on a leash. It's a long leash, but it is a leash. And here God lets out a little more leash. The, the, The screen goes up. And now for the first time, the curtain opens. And we see Job and all of his surroundings. 
And we in the audience, we grip our seats because we anticipate what's going to happen. This cannot be good. Now, this is a long play. So I'm going to summarize for you what happens next. In these verses, all of Job's livestock scattered all around the land are either killed or stolen. And all of his servants who are keeping watch over the livestock are murdered. Now, just let that sink in for a minute. All of his employees murdered. All of his portfolio wiped out. But then it gets even worse. In these verses, at one point, his seven sons, his three daughters, they're gathered all together in one house, and a violent storm comes, and the house collapses on them, and they are all killed. Now just let that sink in for a moment. Ten dead children. What will Job do? What will Job do with God? This is what we read. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. And then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord in all of this. Job did not sin by blaming God. And the curtain closes. And and we want to stand up and cheer and say, yes, Job did it. Hooray. And then we realize, oh, wait, that was only act one. From the rest of Scripture, and maybe from your own life, you know this to be true, that the enemy of God, sometimes looks for an opportunity to attack after we've had a strong spiritual success or victory. The screen in front of the curtain comes down, and once again, only you and I can see and hear what's going on in the screen. Behind the curtain, they cannot. And this is what we read. Satan replied to the Lord, Skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. And again, we brace ourselves because we know what's coming. Satan now has access to his health. And as the curtain is open and as we're watching, we are, we are, we are gritting our teeth, wondering what we will see. And as the play continues, I can, we, can, we can compile a list of the physical symptoms that's, that, that, that Job starts to endure. Here's a list of them. Emaciated, shriveled body, swollen eyes, boils on the skin, fever, unsightly appearance, itchy skin, diarrhea, constant aching. Who wants any of those? And add to this list, bad breath. That's also there. Now, we're not entirely sure that bad breath is why his wife then said, curse God and die. What does she mean? Curse God and die. That's what she said. It means, Joe, why would you want to worship a God who apparently does not love you, or if he loves you, cannot help you, is unable to assist you? Why would you do that? And we in the audience, we want to criticize her. How can you say curse God and die to your husband? And then we remember, she's lost 10 children. And more profoundly, She, along with Job, has lived behind the curtain 
And she does not know, like you and I know, there is a much bigger story going on. And then Job says these words. You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. And the curtain closes. And the house lights come up. And we reach for our coats, ready to leave the theater. And then we realize, wait, this is only intermission. There is a lot more to come. Now, if we were at a playhouse somewhere and it was intermission time, we'd step out and grab some candy or popcorn or something like that, a refreshment. But instead, we're not going to do that here. I want you to stay here. Rather, I'm going to give you a a chapel-sponsored commercial that is tied to the life of Job. You'll see what I mean. This is the first time we've ever done this. On December 19th, we're having a night of remembrance, a blue Christmas. Some of you are struggling with the thought that this Christmas will be the first time your loved one is not at the table. Or maybe you're thinking about that again this year after last year or the year before or the year before. And on the 19th, we're going to gather in this room. There will be a time of, brief time of community. This is for children, families, for individuals. And there will be an opportunity to to go to one station and to make an ornament in honor of your loved one. There will be a chance to light a candle and to be prayed for and to pray for other families. There will be a station for kids to go and to color in sheets or to to make a, a memory bracelet in honor of the one who's been lost. It's going to be a beautifully done evening. Now, I didn't do it justice by what I just told you. When you leave today, out in the lobby at the Welcome Center desk, there's a sheet that explains it much more beautifully. (laughs) All right? And take it and think about it. Coming that night, the 19th, and um, uh, possibly inviting somebody to come along with you, someone who is struggling in this uh, time of the holidays. All right? Well, that's that's, that's the end of our intermission the house lights come back down. And now, the curtain opens. And there's Job, just lying there, in agony, in pain. He is suffering. We've seen the list of what he's enduring, the loss he's experienced. And you know, he doesn't know the end of his story. He's never read chapter 42. And to make things worse, he's never read chapters 1 and 2. <laughs> he doesn't know there's a much bigger story going on. All he can cry out is why. Years ago, I was listening to a, to a radio program, Chuck Swindoll. Maybe you know the name. He's a pastor. He's an author, a wonderful teacher. He was teaching on the radio, and he was teaching about pain and suffering Maybe it was about Job, I can't remember. But he ended the broadcast with that mile-high question all of us find ourselves asking at times, why, why, why? And then the host of the program came in and said, tune in tomorrow and find out. 
Tune in tomorrow and find out. Sometimes, sometimes we know the answer to why. We can draw a line between the hardship we're going through and, and a bad decision we've made. Or the hardship we're going through and what someone has done to us. But sometimes we just don't know the answer to the question why. And it's then we wonder, what do we do with God? I would imagine all of us here have met somebody, maybe you know somebody right now, who seems to have the answer to those why questions. They seem to know the doings and and dealings of God. They seem to be able to answer all of life's curveballs. Job had some friends like that. He had three friends, eventually a fourth friend. Several of them at the beginning were so good at comforting Job, they just came around him and were just quiet for about a week. Didn't say a word, just practiced the ministry of presence. And then they couldn't help themselves. They couldn't help themselves. They caved into their boxed-in ideas about God. They caved into their formulaic thoughts about God. And they began to say things over 35 chapters. They would begin to say things like, Job, you are experiencing such hardship because you have sinned horribly, but you haven't told anybody what it was. And we in the audience are saying, no, he did not. And then they'll say things like, Job, God would not let bad things happen to a good person. And we in the audience want to come out of our seats and say, yes, he would let bad things happen to a good person. And Job is proof. And for 35 chapters, Job and his friends go back and forth, back and forth. And for 35 chapters, God is completely Silent. For Job and his friends, it's like a whodunit mystery. But we in the audience, we know who done it. The question is, what will Job do? What will Job do with God? What do you do with God? What will you do with God? When that unexplained pain, when that unreasoned hardship comes into your life related to your health, related to your future, related to your kids, related to your marriage, related to your job, related to whatever. What will you do with God? I love the brutal honesty of Job in those 35 chapters. His raw honesty with God. As sometimes we in, we in the audience, at, at times we, we, we sort of cringe and we think, are you allowed to talk with, to, to God like that? Are you allowed to say those kind of things to God? Uh, for example, Job says, May the day of my birth perish and the night that said a boy is conceived. God, what were you thinking allowing me to be born into this world? Or, or like this, why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? God, it's me, Job, your servant, What are you thinking? Or does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? God, have you taken your eye off the ball? Can you say things to God like that? At times we wonder, we wonder as we're watching this play unfold, is this where Job gives up on God? Is this where where Job turns away from God? Is this where Job says, I'm done? 
And every now and then, sprinkled in those 35 chapters are hints of hope where he'll say things like, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Or, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth as gold. With all of his cries and moans, there's this sense of, yes, but to whom else do I turn but God? And in all of his rants and rages, with all of his calling foul on God, blowing the whistle on God, it's like Job stays on the field. He doesn't give up. He keeps going to God, keeps coming back to God. It reminds me of a, of a, of a quote I read some years ago. Confronted with inexplicable injustice, it is better to be irate than resigned. 35 chapters, God is silent. And then God shows up in a storm. He shows up in a whirlwind. And he takes Job and his friends to school. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. A real man is going to hear what God has to say. And now God just throws out this hailstorm of questions. And he starts with, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you? And then a, a sampling of some of this hailstorm of questions. Job, is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? Is it your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Let me, let me go back. On and on, questions like this from God to Job. Where were you, Job? Can you, Job? Would you, Job? Are you able, Job? Job, who are you? And who is God? Some, uh, a few weeks ago, after, I think it was after Ohio State beat Notre Dame, my wife and I were watching the movie Rudy, one of my favorites. And do you, do you remember the scene where Rudy's trying to get help from the local priest? And the priest looks at, at Rudy and says, Rudy, after 35 years of doing this, I have learned two incontrovertible facts. There is a God, and I am not him. And that's what God is saying to Rudy. There is a God, and you are not him. And Job is, is cut to the quick. And what we, the audience, have noticed also is that in none of God's comments does he apologize to Job. In none of his comments does he explain a reason for Job's pain. And now it's Job's turn to respond. Now, before I show you Job's response, 
I want to explain something. At the very end of the book, at the very end of chapter 42, Job becomes wealthier than he ever was before. He receives 10 more kids. But I want you to know this. The response we're about to read from Job happens before he is ever aware that God is going to bless him again. And this is what Job says. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. What is Job saying? He's kicking himself. He's kicking himself, saying, I should have known. I should have seen this. I should have understood all along that God sees and knows what I do not. And he can be trusted. Job arrives at a point of wisdom. He arrives at a point of wisdom that you and I, the audience, can share with Job. Two lessons of wisdom. One is this. There is order in the universe, and we cannot generalize from our personal pain that it is otherwise. Regardless of the apparent randomness of the pain and the problems and the hardship this world is facing and what we are facing, all of life, including your life and my life, is under God's watchful eye. Just as the the hawk in flight or the eagle in flight or the thunder or the lightning or the laying of the foundations of the earth that God brought forth to Job. All of that is under God's watchful eye and so is your life and my life. And we cannot generalize from our personal pain that it is otherwise. A second lesson, wisdom lesson, is this. God can use trials to build spiritual depth into our lives that would not happen otherwise. Job never would have chosen that path. You and I would never choose the path of pain that we may be on right now. But like with Job, he was able to to arrive at at a depth in his spiritual experience with God that he could never experience without what he went through. Now, we have a sense the play is almost over. The drama is almost over. And we're thinking about walking out of the theater into our own real-life dramas where you and I, we don't know chapter 42. And we've never read chapters 1 and 2 in our own lives. But what you and I have is more than what Job ever had. You and I have the entire Word of God, in which Job is part. But as we read the Word of God, we read how God himself, in the person of Jesus, came to live among us. And what do we know about the life of Jesus? It was a life of poverty. It was a life of pain. 
He experienced rejection. He experienced desertion from his friends. He experienced loss. He experienced humiliation. He experienced the cross. One of our favorite theologians and writers and authors, D.A. Carson, puts it like this. In the darkest night of our soul, we have something to hold on to that Job never knew. We know Christ crucified. Christians have learned that when there seems to be no other evidence of God's love, they cannot escape the cross. Jesus knew Job's pain. He knows your pain. He knows my pain. And Jesus knew the cross. And what are some of the things he said on the cross? Among them, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus endured the cross. He endured the abandonment of God, his Father, so that you and I would never, as we put our faith in Jesus, would never have to spend one minute or one moment wondering if God has abandoned us or not. He will not. And so now, the curtain closes. And the house lights come back up. The play is over. The drama is over. We reach for our coats and we begin to walk out. And as we step out into the cold, (laughs) some words of Job recur to us. And it's these words. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. Wisdom. Wisdom is knowing that God has come for us And he will come again. And all things are under his control. And he can be trusted. And that is the book of Job. Let's pray together. And now, God, I pray that uh, for for all of us here who are experiencing some, some type of Jobian experience, it might be loss, health, finances, job, whatever it might be, Would you bring to our minds the fact that you have not taken your eye off of us? Help us to press even harder into following Jesus who knows our pain and who has a plan and a future for each of us. Give us the strength and the humility to be Christ followers. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You guys enjoy the day, and uh, go Browns, and have a good weekend.